I have to start with a confession. When Chris first asked me if there was a particular apostolic prayer I would like to preach on, I was most grateful that his request came via email, so I could quickly go and search online what an apostolic prayer was. <laughs> what a relief to find out that one of my favorite prayers is indeed an apostolic prayer, because they are prayers prayed by Jesus and the apostles. What I love about reading the Bible is that it is the living word of God. It doesn't matter how many times we read the same scripture, God always has a fresh revelation for us. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 reads that all scripture is God-breathed. Therefore, all of the Bible, both Old and New Testament, are useful. And the prayer I want us to look at today uses both. It is set in the New Testament and it quotes the Old Testament. Before we continue, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Thank you that you have given us your written word so that we can use it to learn how to pray and to communicate with you. Please open our minds and our hearts this morning so we can hear from you. Teach us how to pray. Amen. Amen. Today I'm going to look at the prayer in Acts 4 because it is a brilliant example of how to pray when life gets tough. Another reason I love to read this prayer is because it shows the passion of the early church to know Jesus and to make him known. It also emphasizes one of the themes in Acts, which is the Holy, how the Holy Spirit guides the early church in spreading the good news of God's salvation, of his forgiving of our sins, and that is offered to all people through the death and resurrection of Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. The early church is all about knowing Jesus and making him known. So far in the story in Acts 4, Peter and John were arrested and they were commanded by the Sanhedrin to no longer speak the name of Jesus. Upon their release, they go straight back to the new believers and they share with them the command the religious leaders have given them. And let's see how they respond. So if you turn with me to Acts 4, we're going to read from verse 24, please. You can follow the text in your Bibles or you can look on screen. Acts 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What an inspiring prayer. Here they are, a group of ordinary people whose lives have been so transformed by Jesus and the power they have through the Holy Spirit that some of them have gone from denying Jesus only a couple of weeks before to now praying for boldness to continue to proclaim the good news in his name. What then can we learn from this piece of scripture? How did they pray when life got tough? Firstly, they start by honoring God. Secondly, they quote scripture. And thirdly, they apply scripture to their circumstances. So how should we pray when life gets tough? We should start, first of all, by honoring God. Note how they start this prayer by addressing God as sovereign Lord. It can also be translated as absolute master. As Mark taught us last week, they are acknowledging God for who he is. By doing so, they bring honor to him, which is also what Chris pointed out when he taught us on the Lord's Prayer two weeks ago. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be honored, Lord. They recognize and they acknowledge that God is ultimately in control. And because he is ultimately in control, he is the one who is able to help. Have you ever tried to ask for help in a shop and you keep being sent from assistant to assistant because either it is not their department or they do not have the authority to help you? It is most discouraging and frustrating when we can't find the right person to help us. In Acts 4, they realize they have a big problem with the authorities. But then wisdom prevails, and they remember that even those authorities are under God's control. Therefore, they have peace that they can go to God because he is indeed the one that can help them. Secondly, they quote scripture. Now that they've established who can help them, they bring God even more honor by quoting scripture to him. In this prayer, they are quoting from Psalm 2, which is relevant for them because Psalm 2 is also seen as a prophetic psalm pointing to Jesus and the suffering. As a parent, I want our children to listen to me. I find it very exciting when my children prove that they have actually listened to what I've said. And they come back to me and they say, but mama, you said... We have four children, and I cannot but smile when one quotes to the other what I have said to them. I imagine it to be the same for God our Father. He longs for us to listen to him. He longs for us to acknowledge that he has the way forward for us. And because the Bible teaches us that all scripture is God-breathed, we know that when we read and we quote scripture, we are quoting God's words. We, so when we quote God in our prayers, we are saying, Father God, you said. God, what you've said is important to me, and it's an important enough for me to pay attention to it. Another reason that struck me about why we should be using scripture is when we get into a situation and we have no words on how to pray for them. 
It's because sometimes it could be because we have prayed for the same situation for years now and seemingly there is no change. Other times it could be because the situation someone is asking us to pray about, we have never experienced. So we have no idea what they are going through and how we could possibly support them. I can certainly remember a season last year when I ran out of words on how to support my husband with his work. It had been two years of us praying and it just seemed that nothing had changed. And quite frankly, my words started to sound very empty. And because I love him and I wanted to support him, I turned to the Bible. And so I poked to God and I said, God, what have you got for my husband this morning? And for a period of a couple of weeks, every morning, God gave me a different psalm. And both my husband and I were so encouraged when we could pray that because we really felt we had God with us. The thing that is that you cannot quote scripture if you do not read your Bible. I cannot encourage you enough to spend time in this word. Read it daily. There are some brilliant Bible reading plans out there. Or if you get stuck, just read the Bible in a year. In 2011, when we moved from Wimbledon to Wellen, my husband and I were reading the Bible in a year. And on the morning of our move, our scripture reading was from Ezra 8 verse 2. So that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. No guessing which scripture I quoted that morning in prayer. God is for us. He's a gracious father. Even if you memorize one scripture, you will stand amazed at the number of opportunities God gives you to use that very scripture. And when you don't know where the scripture is, that's okay. Just say, you know, I think somewhere in the Bible it says so and so. Nine out of 10 times, you will find that someone else can come and tell you where that is, or use technology, go home and go, goodness, did I make that up or does it really exist? And you search on Bible Gateway and then you can find the, where it is. There's also many of our worship songs that quote scripture. So I'm always excited when I'm singing a song and I read a psalm and I go, oh goodness, I know this. So have a look at which of the, highlight which of the worship songs have scripture. So how then do we pray when life gets tough? We start by honoring God, we quote scripture, and thirdly, we apply scripture. The early believers quoted Psalm 2 because they knew it applied to their situation. And it also pointed out that God was going to respond and that God wins. When we have quoted scripture, we need to apply it to our lives. We are saying to God, Lord, you said, and I feel it applies to me in this way. So whenever I feel frustrated about my plans not quite working out, one of my favorite uh, verses to quote is Jeremiah 29, 11. And so I would say, God, in your word, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says that you know the plans you have for me, that they are plans to prosper me, not to harm me, that they are plans for a hope and a future for me. Where I am now, Lord, it doesn't feel like that. But I know that you have plans for me, so please give me your peace that you know where my life is going, even though I don't. 
I also use this scripture when my children come and say, Mommy, what has God had for me? Who am I going to be? And even though I can't see everything yet, I point them to this and I go, you know what? God has a plan for you and it's a good plan. As Dennis said earlier, God is good. When it became clear that God's plan was for us to stay in the UK, I would pray, Jeremiah 29 verse 7, Lord, you say, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. By settling us in London, Lord, it feels like you've carried me into exile. But I know that you want to prosper this city. Help me, show me how I can help these people. They need you. Give me boldness to speak your truth. But by far the most profound way in which God has guided me into speaking the name of Jesus with boldness has to do with going into my children's schools. It all started when my hope was shattered that our first little angel was indeed going to be um, denied ever being part of a nursery nativity play because she was chosen, are you ready? to be the salami from the Hungry Caterpillar book. (laughs) I thought it couldn't get worse. But the second year, are you ready? She got chosen to be recycled garbage. (laughs) I was in shock and I was angry again with God for moving us from South Africa to London. Now, few of us in London ever have our lives threatened for speaking the name of Jesus. And this is in stark contrast to what is happening in the rest of the world. Even this week, we have heard of people being killed because they proclaim the name of Jesus. And yet in the first world, the sheer threat of what society might think of us if we even dare to mention the name of Jesus is enough to stop us from even admitting that we know him. And this was tough. And I turned to prayer again. And my prayer went something like this. Almighty, all-powerful God, you have moved us to this country of exile and you have promised me that you have good plans for me and for my children. Lord, you know that the school feels nervous about offending anybody who isn't a Christian. But Lord, I'm deeply offended that you are not honored. People around me say that I'm going to have to accept it This is how the school works. This is what happens in the UK. But in Colossians, Lord, you teach us that we should be wise in the way we act towards outsiders and we should make the most of every opportunity. You say that our conversation should be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer everyone. Now, Lord, consider how threatened I feel by this school and the whole UK school system and please give me boldness to be to speak the truth in the name of Jesus. So when I told our pastor's wife about it, she asked me what I was going to do about it. And then the penny dropped. In order to change anything, I would actually need to open my mouth. I started speaking to a very dear friend of mine about how frustrated I was, and she suggested we put on 
a nativity puppet show for the nursery. It took months for me to gather my nerves to go up and ask the nursery if we could indeed come in and tell them why Christmas is important to us as Christians. They gave, they gave us permission, and after we did the nativity puppet show that year, a little boy piped up and he said, I love that story. I've never heard it before. And then they proceeded to ask us to do it again and again for them three times, and we had to stop because they had to go home. It took me another year to build up enough courage to ask if I could come in and talk to, their, talk to their class about why, as a Christian, Easter is important to me. Because in my head, it seemed a lot easier to go and tell a group of little ones about a baby that was born at Christmas than telling them about a grown man that was crucified on a cross. But God provided the resources and the wisdom and the key phrase, as a Christian, I believe. And from being terrified of going and speaking to 16, two and three year olds and telling them the Christmas story, it has expanded for me going into all my children's classes every year, telling them about why Christmas is important to me as a Christian and why Easter is important to me as a Christian. And this year, I was even asked to go back to the preschool and the nursery, even though my children don't attend anymore, because they had no one else that could come and tell the story, and they thought it was important that the children heard it. So if we understand who God is and who we are in Him, we do not need to go into complicated prayers. He knows everything. When they applied Scripture... These believers didn't presume to tell God exactly what he should do with those that were threatening them because they knew God was in control. They knew that he is a just God and they knew that he would deal appropriately with those who were opposing them. Now, this is the bit of the prayer that I often need to remind myself of because I can come up with a list as long as my arm of what I think God should do to those opposing me. Instead of feeling threatened, the church, the early church, knew that they could leave the justice to God and they could focus on the most important thing. God answers their prayer, perhaps not in the way that they anticipated. I don't know, because it doesn't record to us whether anyone in that meeting specifically prayed for the meeting room to be shaken, but he does answer and he gives them the very thing they need, the Holy Spirit, which is what gives the boldness to speak the name of Jesus and share it with the people around us. How should we pray then when life gets tough? Firstly, we should honor God and we should acknowledge who he is. Secondly, we should quote scripture. Thirdly, we should apply it. And then we can expect that God will answer. And we always have to be open to the fact that the way God answers might not be the way we think he should. We're going into a time of practical application. And so one of the things that Dennis mentioned earlier was the growing family campaign and some of the issues we've come up against. As a church... We are currently facing three issues. I think I've got James. 
they will come up. So the first is funds. We need to raise another 200,000 pounds by the end of July and ultimately a total of 1.6 million. Second of all, the estate agents have told us that the building across the road is already sold. And thirdly, we have been told that even if we do get the building, we would not get the proper planning permission. These are the giants in our land. These are the ones that we're looking at. And as Chris said in the Exodus series, will we let that stop us from taking inheritance of what God has promised for us? Or will we point them to God and trust in him that he could deal with them? Our key verse for the Growing Family campaign has been Isaiah 54 verse 2. Isaiah 54 is another of many Old Testament scriptures that prophetically refer to Jesus, the Messiah, our Redeemer and Restorer. And it follows on from chapter 53, which talks prophetically of Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection and his exaltation. And I love uh, the new Bible, uh, new believers commentary, which it says, in Christian terms, the Calvary, so the death of Jesus on Calvary and his resurrection of chapter 53 is followed by the growing church of chapter 54 and the gospel core of chapter 55. Isaiah 54 verse 2 is an apt verse for us to use when we are praying about our growing family campaign because it is about the growth of the church. But it is about more than the physical growth of our church. It is about the expansion of the kingdom of God. We need more places so that we can have more opportunities so that we could share who Jesus is and the transforming power he has for our lives on more platforms so that people can see Jesus in action so that that can draw them in to a relationship with him. And for that, we need more space. So, as a church, how would we pray about this? How are we going to pray now that life feels like it's getting a bit tough for us in our growing family campaign? We know what is threatening us. We recognize that God is the sovereign Lord, the absolute master. He is ultimately in control. The scripture we are going to quote when we pray is going to be Isaiah 54 verse 2. And we know how to apply, how to apply that scripture to our church because we know we want our church to grow. Now I realize what I'm going to ask you to do next is going to make some of you feel quite uncomfortable. And before you worry about what I could possibly ask you to do, I have cleared it with Chris, so we've got the green light there. And I'm going to ask you all to pray out loud with me. And I know that feels uncomfortable. And I have to say, the first time we prayed together out loud in a church, um, I found it a bit disorganized and disorderly as well, because I thought, you know what, God can only hear one person at a time. 
And um, I've, I've since realized, but of course, that's not a good theology to hold. And so um, I apply that at night when I'm trying to get four kids in bed at the same time, and I let them pray together. So, um, and they're going, but mommy, and I'm going, that's fine. God can hear everything. So, um, so, so rest assured that even though to you it doesn't sound organized and it doesn't sound the way you think it should, I think it is important for each one of us in church to raise our bar, to raise our game, and to start praying for this growing family campaign. We know what the threats are, we know the scripture we can quote, we know how to apply it. And to set you um, at peace even more, I have typed out a prayer. So it's going to come up on the screen after we've read the scripture together, and then we can read the prayer together. So first of all, we're going to read scripture together. And the reason we're going to do that is because you might have, in this half an hour, forgotten what your own voice sounds like. Second of all, you might not know what the voice of the person next to you sounds like. So we're going to just gently move you into a place where you feel comfortable with the noise around you. So we're going to, if we can please have... This Isaiah 54 verse 2. Wonderful. Can we have the band back, please? So while the band is making their way up to the stage, can I ask you to all please stand? The next thing I would like you to ask is once we have finished reading the scripture, please will you remain standing unless you want to do extra exercise because I will be asking you to stand for the prayer as well, please. So on the count of three, please don't let me read by myself. We are going to read Isaiah 54 verse two. So one, two, three. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Wonderful. Now, I want the same enthusiasm for the prayer, please. Fantastic. So, to recap for you, we are going to start by honoring God and acknowledging who He is as our absolute master, as the sovereign God, almighty, all-powerful. Then we are going to quote from Isaiah 54, verse 2. This is the scripture we are quoting. And we are going to say, Father, you said in your word, and we will quote, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. And then we are going to apply it. Lord, You are passionate about your growing church, and so are we. We want to make Jesus known. Consider the threats of the planning department and the estate agents, and enable us to continue to push forward on this, and to not be intimidated about the fact that we are a church, and that you have given us a big vision. Give us your boldness to continue to create an environment where we can proclaim the good news of your kingdom and the boldness to speak your name of Jesus. So, does that sound okay? Good. 
So can we have the prayer up on the screen, please? Wonderful. Are you ready? On the, we'll do one, two, three, because that worked before, okay? One, two, three. Almighty, all-powerful God, we know that all authority belongs to you and that you have placed people in their positions of authority at the estate agents and the planning department. We believe that you have spoken to us through your written word in Isaiah 54 verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Lord, you're passionate about growing your church, and so are we. We want to make Jesus known. Consider the threats we face the giants in our promised land, the planning department, the estate agents, as well as the daunting task of raising 1.6 million total, and give us the faith and the boldness to continue with our vision of expanding the church in order to expand your kingdom in the name of Jesus. And the people said, Amen.